Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. Uh, it, it's so... I, I don't care. It's weird. It's weird that we're recording on a Monday, Jocelyn. I just... It's weird. It is. And the reason that we are recording on a Monday is because I was traveling last week because mm-hmm. I had a chance to compete in HCT Toronto. So uh, these are the Hearthstone Championship Tour tour stops, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of a, a weird way to say it. But uh, they are the tour stops for HCT this year. And uh, they're kind of, uh, I think there's 27 altogether, and they are traveling all over the globe doing these tournaments for HCT points. So uh, it was announced that there was a Canada stop, and it was in Toronto. So I was like, um, yes, I'm going to go to that. And uh, originally, I thought it was Saturday, Sunday, but it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that meant that the recording of Gamers In on Thursday last week was uh, kind of canceled last minute. So big apologies there for me not paying attention to like days of the week. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I spent Friday, Saturday, Sunday at HCT Toronto, and uh, it was a really, really good time. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, and uh, it's fine, because Thursday I got back, I think I got back super late from work trip, and it's like, oh man, I like I, I don't usually will this to happen, but I thought like, man, if Gamers In didn't happen tonight, it wouldn't be the end of the world, as I'm eating this like, Baconator in Port <laughs> Perry with like the Nintendo Direct playing on, on my <laughs> iPhone. I'm just like, oh, man, it's so good. The Baconator was terrible, but the Nintendo Direct was really good. And uh, That's good because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I missed it. I basically just saw some of the fallout on Twitter, and we're going to talk about uh, Nintendo Direct a little bit later on today. Um, but, yeah, I've, Ryan, why don't you uh, tell me what you've been up to? Because basically I have not done anything except for play Hearthstone for the last week. So, <laughs> mm, But we're going to talk about HCT. We can't just a little like, bit, yeah. tease it and come back. But <laughs> but we will come back to it. Uh, I think when in the last week, the newest thing, okay, we don't have any music. And that's also trademarked, so we can't use it. So uh, update on streaming <laughs> it's okay, adventures. okay, you did such a bad job that I don't think we're going to get sued. <laughs> Man, we're salty. We should record on Mondays more often. Uh, I think that, uh, yes, so I streamed stuff last week uh, on stream, on Twitch, and I got some Prime subs, which was nice, and people were super friendly and saying like, hey, I just want to support you. And I said, I don't have any emoticons yet. I'm still kind of working on it, aka I haven't really thought about it since last week. Um, I don't really know what I want to do, but we'll get there. Anyways, I, I want to thank those folks that came out. I got some bits. People threw some bits at me. That was nice. a new and interesting experience. And like things pop up on screen and I don't know what's happening. But what really, I actually do know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> it was really exciting. But what I really did is I, swi- I, I switched. I played the Nintendo Switch. It was the one year anniversary last week. So I decided I'm going to stream a bunch of uh, Nintendo Switch games. So I hooked up the Switch, and then I quickly realized that where these streaming adventures started was back with streaming direct from the console. Now mm-hmm. I've, I've got a console here that doesn't have that built-in streaming, so I have to use my capture card and set up. I had to literally go downstairs and get the TV that I have uh, with the treadmill and set it up to the side and get that all working. It was a process to stream a console that doesn't have that one-hit button to just stream. Yeah. And gotta say, gotta hand it out to folks that stream on a on a uh, on a near daily basis of console games through capture cards. Like you have to have a setup. Like I, it took me an hour to get that thing 
all set up in a way that wasn't going to make something fall over if I moved quickly, you know, because I had two TVs up. I had the capture card, the switch. My controller was dead. So that was also plugged in again, charger controllers, (laughs) people. And it was it was an interesting but it was also really cool because I could it's like this games. crazy Frankenstein of streaming equipment to, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, once it was all set up and working and it's like, okay, I, I, nothing's going to break. I was able to switch games on the fly, which was really cool. The idea was I was going to play as, you know, as many as I could in the two hour frame ending with, uh, there was a new demo they had put out for the Kirby game that's coming out this week. And I, you know, I played some Zelda that was interesting because I ended up doing most of the stream just trying to find something to do in that game and i thought like man jocelyn's laughing right now on her way to toronto as she as she just imagines ryan aimlessly walking around in breath of the wild trying to find something to do so um that's a that's sort of a a notch in the in the jocelyn doesn't like this game category it it was definitely kind of an empty experience i don't like it that's that's say that's being it's that i think it's like an eight out of ten not a ten out of ten well that's pretty that's really good that is well this is what i've been saying all along i just i think horizon is superior doesn't mean zelda is necessarily bad it just wasn't all that i was looking forward to and all that i was wanting (laughs) yeah it wasn't yeah the way you said it was kind of i i get it i understand and uh the, the thing is for me, like, it, it just so happened. The only reason I was pointing that out is because it, it just happened to be the one thing you really didn't like about the game was yeah. the fact that if you're not careful, uh, you can find yourself aimlessly wandering around trying to find something to do. Mm-hmm. So eventually I did find something to do in the game and it was fun, but then I switched over to some other stuff. And unfortunately, I, I don't know. I can't snap my fingers. Oh, that was close. That was pretty good. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't How long do... have you been practicing that? <laughs> that? That was just like, my hands are sweaty, you know, so it's like really working. <laughs> so anyways, um, it, it was just, it was interesting to be able to stream Switch games. I'm a big fan of Nintendo titles, and I know that with YouTube, when you were doing, when, when I was doing stuff on YouTube, if I was doing any Nintendo games, um, and again, I didn't have a lot of views, so when I say monetize... Um, they would just kind of like throw their ads on it. And that felt a little weird. But the fact that with Twitch, I can I can monetize Twitch in a way and, and have people support me and not have Nintendo. I'm sure Nintendo is still taking a cut. You know, they're getting that advertising. But it's still interesting to be able to stream their games without having to worry about them coming knocking and being like, hey, you need to join our weird YouTube program or, or Twitch program. I can kind of just, I can throw it out there and play the game i'm sure like the videos like in in post will get like sort of hammered by nintendo but it was just a lot of fun to finally figure out console streaming in a way that allowed me to have my overlay and all that fun stuff but the one thing that i don't know if you've ever solved uh if you've had enough time with console streaming but i couldn't hear any of the notifications coming out of obs right because it was on a different computer um, or a different well i had my headphones hooked up to the switch not the computer so whenever someone did something like follow or or subscribe like i wasn't hearing that sound so like mm-hmm. what's the kind of a good way to 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 get that in your ear like is well, the, so notifications the way, just weird yeah the way <coughs> excuse me uh the way that i stream with uh the console is uh i actually 
use my capture card and I think you can probably do this. I don't think it matters whether it's internal or external, but um, I basically use OBS as my monitor sort of thing. So oh, okay. like I pipe the, the audio and the video from the switch into the capture card and then have the capture card up on the screen. And that's like the monitor that I'm playing with. So then oh. I can hear then like the switch audio becomes my desktop audio. So then I can hear everything that's happening on my desktop too. Um, it's not necessarily ideal. Um, like you couldn't do any sort of competitive gaming on it because there's a delay a little bit um, because it has to go through like your controller to your switch to your capture card out to OBS to your eyeballs. So there's like just a little bit of a delay. Um, I think probably it's the easiest to tell on like Mario Kart probably <laughs> where like your inputs are a little bit more exact and important, I guess, but it's not too bad. Um, I, that's how I played Splatoon for the extra life stream and, and everything else. So mm. um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the order in which it goes. So instead of capturing my other computer, it's capturing the switch instead, but that's like how I get the audio from both. Is it, I use it as a source in OBS and then output the source audio to my desktop audio. So and sometimes that does create some sync issues, too, between the audio and the video. But it's nothing that's that um, obvious, I don't think. So, mm -hmm. that's not But it idea. definitely it, it is a, it's an odd kind of thing trying to stream from a, a console that isn't uh, doesn't like just naturally have that uh, that streaming output. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't know. I, I if Nintendo hasn't supported it yet, I don't think that they will, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of too bad because there's a, a lot of super fun. I feel like. Splatoon 2 is a really good game for uh, for streaming, and so not enough people really stream it because it's it's a little bit more difficult. So it's, there's a barrier to entry there, and yeah. even with the uh, PlayStation 4, well, it's ahead. a monetization thing too, or like mm. not a monetization thing, but like it's a money thing. There's that there's that barrier to entry as well because you can't do it just from the Switch, right? Like, so yeah. you buy your Switch and then you buy your game and then you go to stream and you can't and you need to buy another capture or you need to buy a capture card, right? So, and they're not super expensive, but it's another, it's another expense, right? So on top of your microphone, your camera, your well, computer yes, yeah. to just stream, you know, the, a capture card can retail for upwards of $200 plus plus. Yeah. Depending on what you're depending trying to Depending on which out. one you go, which one you use, yeah. Yeah, like mine, I bought five or six years ago it captures at 1080p uh 60 frames per second but it but that's just that's just the pass-through you still have to have a computer to be mm -hmm. able to handle that type of capture yeah there's that too you know and and then stream it as well but the nice thing about streaming from console through a computer is that your computer's sole focus is streaming you know it's not about can it run the game and stream at the same time? Right. That's kind of nice and, and kind of similar to a two computer setup, right? Because you use a capture card with a two computer stream exactly. setup. So it's almost like an interesting practice because you might already own a console and you have your streaming PC. You know, if you want to dabble with a two computer setup, maybe that's an interesting way to kind of get your feet wet without having to build two computers, right? Mm -hmm. So... And, you know, there are other limitations to the, the other consoles work. You know, I've done I've done some capturing with the PS4 and I think you have to turn off HDCP protection. Uh, I could be getting that acronym wrong, but basically <laughs> what that is, is that it limits you. It protects the HDMI 
um, feed coming through, so you're not capturing Blu-ray movies and stuff. So when you turn it off, it'll disable certain apps and mm. and different things. Sort of when sometimes when you see like I think this broadcast scene has been uh, you know blocked, the developers can kind of go in there, and you, I think this is only when you're streaming from the console. You can kind of say, hey, we don't want you to stream this because it might be a cutscene with spoilers, or we just don't want you to stream any of our cutscenes. That's that's also a feature that can be present when you're streaming from the console, and that and the capture card gets around that. So it's mm. it's not necessarily a privacy uh, a piracy thing. It's more about developers have that control. I, I remember Persona Five had a lot of those scenes blocked, and I think even a couple of movie video games. Like I remember hearing about that actually. Yeah, it was a big deal where they mm-hmm. limited your because a lot of people are streaming it, and Persona Five is a very story driven game. And yeah, hard... you like couldn't show the ending or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they actually wouldn't let you play past stream past a certain time Mm -hmm. and they got raked over the coals for it because it was kind of this archaic way of saying no you're not supposed to stream our game you have to buy it and it's really weird when you out nintendo nintendo but atlas certainly did that (laughs) with persona 5 it was kind of nintendo's like it's like yeah here's our here's our youtube partner program and atlas like oh hold my beer you know yeah (laughs) and uh, they come in and, and do this weird thing but I, I just really liked being able to stream something different. And I think Nintendo, you know, console specific games like, you know, console exclusives, it's really nice to stream those titles because you get a different audience. And I think mm-hmm. it has everything to do with the fact that console streaming is is quite new uh, in comparison to PC streaming. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I love streaming my PC games that I'm going to be streaming into the breach uh, tomorrow, I guess, Tuesday night at eight uh, o'clock uh twitch.tv slash ryan murphy ca if you want to check that out and then we'll be talking about it on thursday because we're gonna have two gamers in this week so that's Mm -hmm. nice but it's it's just a lot of fun to to switch things up a little bit so (laughs) thank you you're welcome (laughs) oh man so i mean that kind of uh, we we kind of danced around it with the streaming conversation but the the stuff that you played this week was uh nintendo switch driven so Mm -hmm. you talked about playing zelda but I want to hear about Fire Emblem Warriors. So, uh, mm-hmm. so what was that? Cause this is another one. Uh, I played Hyrule Warriors, which I very much enjoyed, and it's kind of the just the same, only different, right? Because it's got the Fire Emblem characters instead. Yeah, we never talked about Fire Emblem Warriors in the show because I felt like it came out at this weird time where the show was dominated by a game that came out a week later. Uh, which was Super Mario Odyssey, then mm. BlizzCon hit, and then before you knew it, it was it was Christmas. It was so, kind of old news, yeah. Yeah, and I've been playing it on and off for the last you know four months, and I decided, and because of Summoner's Call, I've been on this Fire Emblem kick and and really looking for sort of a an outlet to to play. And they have the DLCs coming out, but anyways, I I've been playing Fire Emblem Warriors. I played a good maybe half hour, and this goes back to the conversation of finding new audience when you're streaming a different type of game. And I love, I'm learning more and more that like switching your game on Twitch, like what you're playing, people actually use that feature, you know, surprise, surprise. And I know I'm not, and this is probably showing my, my sort of my uh, experience with Twitch, but you know, I don't do a lot of Twitch watching, but I have occasionally gone in there and looked for specific games based on, I want to see what this game is like. And then I load up the games for that uh, or the stream for that game so i actually had people jumping in that weren't present for the zelda portion and i my viewership kind of like jumped 
by, uh, you know, four or five people, which was really cool to see. But with mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, Hyrule Warriors is, is made by the same developers, except the biggest difference is that you have Fire Emblem characters. And they are, those characters are more sort of relevant to the type of gameplay where you're you're a hero character running around, killing, you know, taking out a bunch of smaller armies in in fantastical ways where you're like doing super cool moves with your swords and staffs and stuff and it's more it's more relevant to the gameplay in that you have more all of your characters are kind of army based like there's swords lances axes bows magic that sort of thing and similar to hyrule warriors is they pull characters from many different games across the franchise and i think the biggest difference you see is that with zelda you were kind of you were picking one version of that character outside of the DLC where you started to get some some overlap. But with Fire Emblem Warriors, you're pulling characters from games that never even came out in the States. You're pulling from the newer games. Oh, in the, the States. 3DS. I was like, whoa, wait, they, were, they made new characters? That's cool. But no, it never came out in the States. Fair enough. Well, that's the thing. Similar to uh, Hyrule Warriors, they did come up with new characters that they implemented. That's my biggest gripe is that the new characters they came up with weren't as fresh as the ones they came up with Hyrule Warriors. In Hyrule Warriors they added like, you know, um the the two main uh ladies, the the good lady and the bad lady. I don't remember <laughs> their names. Uh I remember they were uh dressed very provoc- provocatively for some it's a Japanese game, so they 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 don't do that in this one and in, in the new characters that they implement in Fire Emblem Warriors, which is nice because they're they're two twins. Uh well, they are twins brother and sister and there's a couple other characters in there they kind of build out they build out the main game of of fire emblem warriors and then they kind of like merge all the other games into that world so you have a unique world that they've built for fire emblem warriors and then outside of that they've kind of brought all the all of your favorite characters from from outside Mm. of the fire emblem games which is which is really neat to see as you're like oh this is the awakening level where i get to meet all the characters from awakening and then here come all the fates characters and shadow dragon and stuff like that uh which is nice so if you're a fan of fire emblem at all like you're gonna find characters in this that you really liked uh from the other games now and that's really where where the differences come mm-hmm. in right is is the characters that are there and i imagine some of the abilities but is the core gameplay basically the same as the other warriors games yeah, so in Hyrule Warriors, you kind of had that mini-map at the top, and it kind of displayed, like, okay, you need to take these bases over, then you'll be able to fight the the main boss. Mm-hmm. It's similar in Fire Emblem Warriors, because you're starting from the, you're at the starting point, and then you kind of, it says, like, okay, you need to take over these bases while trying to defend your own. The biggest difference that I don't remember doing at all in Hy- Hyrule Warriors is you're you're ordering your characters around, and some of your characters have advantages and disadvantages over enemy characters. There's the weapon triangle that they brought over from Fire Okay. Alarm. So sword beats axe, axe beats lance, and lance beats sword. So when you're deploying onto a map, you're going to want to choose characters that are strong and have an advantage over the char- over the enemies. So if it's a primarily lance-based map, you're going to want to deploy as many axe wielders as possible. And and the then you actually there. control because I feel like um, I don't remember in Hyrule Warriors ever controlling characters that weren't mine. Um, yeah, 
because I remember in Hyrule Warriors, you'd, you'd say like, this is the Link map. So you're playing as Link and you're running around as Link. I don't remember switching characters on the fly, but I could be wrong. I don't remember doing that either, but maybe mm-hmm. I just never did because I really liked playing as Zelda. So <laughs> yeah, you kind of went in with your character and you stuck to it. And yeah, that's well. And, and I also played uh, co-op. So mm-hmm. I had another person playing with me as well. And so I feel like that was probably a bit of a different experience, too. So I was never forced down a line like because, you know, usually one of the two of us would want to play the character whose map it was. And then so that left the, the other you know, free to play whatever. So I don't ever remember switching characters mid map or anything like that. Um, Mm. So it's interesting that that's, that that's an option because that, that is something from fire emblem that is really kind of iconic for the series, right? I have played the only fire emblem that I have played is the, is the mobile one Um, Mm. fire emblem heroes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the only one that I've played, but that like was the whole point right is you know that whole weapon triangle and trying to you know defeat take advantage of your combat advantages while exploiting your opponent's weaknesses Mm -hmm. and so if they didn't do something like that which i think that they would kind of have to then also involve changing characters um if they didn't do something like that then it wouldn't feel fire emblemy enough i think for me so Mm -hmm. um that's really cool that they found a way to implement that that actually makes sense with the game yeah, they they did a great job at highlighting the core aspects, uh, the core franchise points of like the weapon mm-hmm. triangle, the characters, the way those characters interact with each other. So they've implemented the support level stuff where the more you have characters paired together, the stronger their bond is. And then when they get to an A bond, you get like a little back and forth dialogue between the two, which is which is kind of neat, especially since a lot of those characters are from other games. So, you know, the characters from the same games, they'll have a dialogue of like, oh, remember that time we did this thing? Ha ha ha. But if you... (laughs) (laughs) But then there's also the opportunity to pair two characters from different games and see how they react to each other Mm. because they're meeting each other for the first time and they're going to talk, oh yeah, I have a dude in my game who's kind of real dick just like that. Oh, we have one of those too. That's just like... What are the chances? Yeah, oh, a bad guy. What up? You know? (laughs) Uh, It's... It's really it's it's some it's fan service basically. That's what these games are because but but, but it's they're also, super fun. They are a <laughs> lot of fun, and you know when we talked about switching characters as optional, they they really they really don't make it optional. They make it required. So mm. unlike Hyrule Warriors, where you had a favorite character and you can go in, in this one, I've kind of leaned into it. I've accepted the fact that I have to do this, but at one point it kind of felt like a burden where. In the story, I was playing my favorite characters. Then when I got to the history maps, I don't know if you did any of the history maps in, in Hyrule Warriors, but... I don't remember, to be honest. It yeah. came out so long ago. <laughs> it, it's been a while. And honestly, you'll get a chance to play it again. It's coming out on Switch, I think, in May. The whole thing. Like, they're just saying, mm. here's Hyrule Warriors. You know, those who didn't own a Wii U, go play it. And even at a discount, I think. But you... You, you have characters that are overleveled in comparison to the other ones. So when you go into the history maps where this, it's basically the after game where you, you get to play through some maps and there's not, there's no cutscenes, but there are like dialogue, custom dialogue there. So there's a bit of a story being told, but it's really just a map, an over, overview map with some characters on it and you select the character and that loads like a, a match for you to play. 
and you can progress the story and collect items and level up your characters. So you go in there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can only use bow heroes and this is a level 60 map. It's like, well, I haven't been using any of my bow characters because I don't like mm. bow characters and they're all <laughs> level two. So great. I guess I got to grind those guys up. And that can really get in the way of you even unlocking new characters. Like I had to really work to unlock Lin, which is my favorite character in Fire Emblem. And I had to like, oh, crap, now I got to over level my, my bow characters to unlock one of my favorite characters. And it took me quite a while, you know? So there's a lot in there, but it's a bit of a grind. Mm. But it's kind of a fun little sit back, mash buttons. Uh, and, That's why I liked it. It was yeah. like, it was so satisfying to just nuke like armies of 50 enemies at a time sort of thing and, and go in and, and play in a franchise that I really enjoyed, which was Zelda. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I love the Warriors games. I think they're great. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that you had some time to stream it, even if it did get a little bit grindy. Uh, but the other thing that you said that you streamed on Switch was the new Kirby game. So there's a new Kirby game coming next week. And what did you think? So the new Kirby game, there's a demo out right now on the Switch. So if you want to check it out, you can go check it out. The demo offers you a really good selection of what this game will offer. And honestly, I was kind of impressed. I don't think Kirby games are weird. Like they're not, I like the concept of Kirby. I like the concept of Kirby games, but I find they're a little too simple and linear for my taste. Mm. Like you're kind of just pushing forward and kind of haphazardly like, oh, I can be sword Kirby now. And you know, like, okay, now everyone's dead moving forward. It just seems a little simple and easy for 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 my taste you know and that's fine i'm not trying I was to say yeah keeping in mind that it is a demo so uh, it's yes and you know we've also talked about this with uh, a lot of nintendo games lately mm -hmm. uh that that are not not the open world types like zelda but you know some of the other uh games that we've been playing where it's like you feel like they hold your hand and there's a really long tutorial. But then uh, I, I feel like Mario and Rabbids was like this. Uh, Mario Odyssey was like this, where it's like very simple and handholdy. But then all of a sudden it gets like super complicated and difficult because they're like, OK, we have now taught you every single piece that you <laughs> need. Here is a puzzle where you got to put 10 things together. Go. And uh, so... I feel yeah. like if they're giving a demo, it's probably a demo of the very beginning of the game. So maybe it's a little bit harder and more complicated than you're giving it credit for. And I know True. what you're saying. Jocelyn defending Nintendo? What? <laughs> but <laughs> It's a Monday. Woo! Yeah, uh, everything's upside down and crazy today. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is, yeah, it's the upside down. Um, I, well, I was speaking more from experience of, of playing other Kirby games. And, mm. and you're right. Maybe this one's different. And I will say that playing the demo, I was really impressed with the way the game looks. Kirby games have always looked really good from a cartoon level, but this game kind of portrays it as a a more realistic cartoon world. In that the world is still like this looks phenomenal as a as a as a computer animated type thing. It's like Pixar kind of made a Kirby game. Mm. Oh, maybe not Pixar. I'm maybe just I'm just DreamWorks. looking it up now. So it's called Kirby Star Allies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kirby Star Allies. Yeah. It looks like DreamWorks made a Kirby game. Like, not to say that you, like the, the, there's a caliber there. Like, it's not quite Pixar, but it's definitely like some DreamWorks style <laughs> stuff. No offense, DreamWorks. We can't all make... Well, okay, Cars 2 was bad. But, you know, we can't all be Pixar here. But it looks really great. 
and there's a mm-hmm. lot of cool like effects as you're playing through the cool thing i liked the thing i don't like about a lot of nintendo games is like it says hey play with your friends maybe i don't have people i'm still working on them they're a little young they're not quite ready to play <laughs> kirby or any sort of multiplayer game but in this it says like oh play with your friends as kirby you can push a button and he throws a heart at enemies and they he adds them to his to his uh oh yeah his i team. see it i see it happening now yeah so instead of eating them he brings them to his side he gives them an offer i'll kill you and consume you or i will subject you to be or we can be bros well okay yeah bros some say bros some say like Slaves. Know, slaves. But in this case, yeah, bros. He, he throws a heart at them. Their hearts. They, yeah, yeah. He's convincing them to, to switch sides and be his friend. I like that. With That's the power of, of, of a giant heart that he pulls from. I don't know where he's keeping them things, but he's got enough of them to go around. So that's good. And you know what I find absolutely hilarious? So I that? wanted to make sure that we actually got the name of the Kirby game out there. So I Googled it. And one of the first Google suggestion questions is, is Kirby a boy or a girl? Who asks that? He's a blob. Who knows? <laughs> like a genderless blob. He's definitely a genderless blob. And when you think more about Kirby, the more it should scare you. Because <laughs> he kind of just tries to like inhale everything. And one of these days, we're going to realize that Kirby's been around long enough and Kirby's actually the bad guy. He's going mm-hmm. around eating. Eating everything. Very defenseless, just minding their own business things in the forest. And then he beats up on a tree. I'm surprised that like... The WWF hasn't come around and said, brother, pandas, get out of here. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, that went a really weird way, but all did. right. <laughs> but uh, back to Kirby, it, it was interesting because you could you could say, like, you could bring these characters to, to your side. And they were AI, and they were quite competent. They'd run ahead, and they'd kill things. And it made it easier. And again, like, I agree. I've only got in, there's only two levels in there. But the two levels that it offers you gives you a good idea of how the game's going to work. Because the coolest thing is that when you suck an enemy up and let's say you become Sword Kirby, you can also push up on the D-pad and let's say you have a frenemy who's like a fire okay. guy, there'll be a little like prompt for you to push up on the uh, on the control pad. And what that does is it makes you hold your, your sword up and then one of your fire dudes comes over and it's like, hey, I, I got, got a light and he gives you a light and then now you have like a fire sword. A so flaming you, sword, that's cool. Yeah, so you have a combined power and that changes based on who you have on your team and there are certain rooms where it's like hey here's an ice guy figure out how to complete this puzzle by combining your powers and i combine my rock power with my ice dude and i became like a curling stone which was really cool and i kind of oh, like neat. shot across the sh- shot across the room and then there are like co-op stuff where you kind of all join hands and sing kumbaya and become a wheel and you just like <laughs> roll on through the countryside it was uh it was a lot of fun and honestly, I feel like if I had, like, once the kids got old enough, this would be probably mm-hmm. a great game to play with your kids. So if you have younger children and you have a Switch, you got two controllers built in. Uh, I think, honestly, and it's one of those games that would work really well with just the Joy-Con because it's mm. literally just move, hit things, and everything's on the D-pad and the two buttons, and you're good to right. go. So if you have young children, you know, you know young a young family, this is a perfect game for you to play with your kids. I think it's it's top notch. And if you're not, if you're curious, you can check out the demo. It's it's up there on the eShop across across the world. So go check it out. Awesome. 
Well, I'm glad that you had so much time to actually play stuff this last week because I was doing absolutely nothing except for HCT Toronto prep. So mm. uh, I was just playing the crap out of Hearthstone the whole time. And uh, so I guess uh, now is as good a time as any to talk a little bit about the experience at HCT Toronto. So uh, like I said, off the top of the show, if you guys aren't aware, uh, Hearthstone is doing a actual like world tour this year with 27 different tour stops. So uh, this was HCT Toronto. And uh, so far, the only Canadian stop actually announced on the tour. So I was fortunate enough to live close enough to Toronto that I could take it, take advantage of this. And uh, so, yeah, I the other the other part that makes this tour stop a little bit different than other tour stops is that there weren't any online qualifiers ahead of time. So for like hmm. HTT Sydney and HTT Germany, they actually had online tournaments and then the tour stops were like the top 16. So this was actually just a completely open tournament. Uh, it was a Swiss format, and uh, so anyone could sign up. So I had a really, really great time uh, kind of testing all my decks and stuff. I ended up changing my strategy the night before, which I think was a mistake. But um, I also got matched up against, and this is uh, spoilers, so if you guys don't <laughs> want to hear spoilers, then uh, maybe skip ahead a couple minutes. But uh, in the first round, I actually got paired up against the eventual winner who only dropped one match all weekend. So, the winner of the whole whole tournament. The winner of the whole tournament. Yeah. Oh, see, I saw the I saw a couple of tweets you put out, and I and I thought it was just the person who won that round. Yeah. But, no. No. Oh. The whole entire tournament, and he actually went like fully undefeated. He three owed all his opponents in the top eight. So, yeah. He uh, he brought a very very good very controlling lineup and uh, my more aggressive decks just could not take advantage of that. So uh, I ended up dropping in the first round to Odimian, and uh, then I played very well. I felt in the second round, uh, but my um, priest deck I ended up taking two games off my opponent, so I went mm -hmm. uh, two and three, or he went three and two, whatever. Um, and so my priest deck just kind of drew dead in two games. I didn't draw any of the minions that I needed. I didn't draw dragons to activate my stuff. I didn't draw my spiteful summoners. And uh, so I ended up losing uh, two games that I think I was heavily favored and I should have won. So, um, but <laughs> once I, what? It's no. they're, they're stats. I, I don't <laughs> know. Just being like super conceited. I like... was more, I was more <laughs> reacting to just, uh, I don't know what I was reacting to. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening, and it's like it, it like a like a tournament of the scale. Like I gotta give props to you for 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 going into this tournament because like it's a Blizzard Hearthstone tournament. Like that's that's huge, isn't is it not? Like, am I thinking that like this is a a legit tournament stop, right? Yes, this and is were... like had I had I won, I would have gotten points towards being in like the World Championship. That's that's really exciting and yeah like it sucks that you got paired against the the person who won right at the beginning but the fact that you know in round two like you you, you felt you felt like you should have won that round is what you're saying right? yes yes yeah. i do yeah. not taking anything away from my opponent like he played well too i just i felt like the the decks that i had and i should have i should have won had i had i drawn better but um that's actually one of the really great things about hearthstone is it's so accessible other like i mean it, it's a free-to-play game which mm -hmm. you know we can talk about the cost of hearthstone it's up and down we're not going to do that today <laughs> but it's a free-to-play game and 
the way that HCT is actually done, there's a lot of ways for basically anyone to compete. So you don't have to be on a professional esport team. You can just go in like I did mm-hmm. to the HCT tour stops and compete. You can, you know, play from your house on ladder and earn points that way. You can join online tournaments. Like there's all kinds of ways to earn points. And so it's probably the most accessible esport that I can think of um, because it's uh, like you don't need a team you don't need other players with you like it's literally one-on-one and it's a free game I mean even if you think of like Heroes of the Storm like you need to be on a professional team you can't just play Hero League until you get to the top of Hero League and then you're invited to the world championship like there's a direct through line in Hearthstone from the latter which is the experience that anyone can have into the world championships not to mention now they're doing all these um all these uh world championship tour stops which again some of them have online qualifiers ahead of time but those online qualifiers are open to literally everyone so mm-hmm. um i really like what hearthstone's done this year and it seems like um really it was a really great experience a lot of there was <laughs> dude there were so many big name pro players it was insane that's really like, cool though yeah, it was really cool because, I mean, the uh, HCT Toronto was part of a larger gaming convention. So we were kind of like off in the back corner with the rest of the esports stuff. But um, the crowd was was mostly competitors. Hmm. Um, so it was really cool to see it. like you're like sitting there in front of the stage and there's like five or six rows of chairs and everybody watches like you look over one way you're like oh my god there's ants and you look over the other way oh there's amnesiac and there's purple and hot form and you know like all these like big name players were there and it was there's was a really really fun experience so it was nice of um, your aunt to come out and cheer you on though yeah. <laughs> sorry oh ryan i just a dad, you had to get a dad joke in at least once tonight eh? <laughs> team dad, dad joke right yeah I, I think that it's really cool because as someone like yourself into the esports scene, not only are you able to go to this tournament and enter, and I think even if there was like a barrier to entry in terms of like proving your skill level, I, I still think that would have been something you would have been able to handle. But the mm-hmm. fact that they, you were able to join in, you're able to like brush elbows with people who you've been watching and following uh, on these tournaments elsewhere. And, it, you know, it's, we kind of take it for granted living so close to Toronto that when they announce a Canadian thing, it's usually Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver. And as long yeah. as it's Toronto or Montreal, that's like, a, you know, an attainable location. Vancouver's tough. It's on the other side of the country. But yeah. those are the three <laughs> locations that they target usually with these type of things. So the fact that Toronto's so close, like I say all the time, like there's things that come to Toronto that I don't take advantage of that I should. And I think you were tweeting... I saw a photo, like, or maybe it was a retweet. Was there, like, a gaming convention this weekend, or was it part of the tournament? Yes, that. so it was um, EGLX. They have a horrible, horrible logo that you yeah. can't figure out what letters go where in their <laughs> acronym. But, um, yeah, so it was uh, EGLX. Right. E-L-G- no, EGLX is the right one. Electronic uh, Gaming and it's like, 
Lexicon. Something expo. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the L. I'm trying to figure it out. I should just Google it, but I'm just trying to figure out what the L stands for, and I'm really not sure. But uh, yeah, so there was a whole section of like uh, VR games. There was an indie section. There was like Nintendo had their booth there, like the one when we went to um, do the whole Switch thing, mm -hmm. the preview before the Switch came out last, I guess it was what, last January? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Nintendo had a presence there. They had all kinds of esports. There was um, actually, really all kinds of Smash, <laughs> which is which we're going to talk about uh, Super Smash Brothers in a few minutes. But uh, there, yeah, there was a big Hearthstone stage. There was cosplay. There was uh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. There was even a like a board game room. So uh, there was a board gaming presence there as well. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really great weekend. I had a lot of fun and uh, got to meet a lot of people and uh, and yeah, got my ass kicked by Odimian. So yay! <laughs> That's really cool. I, and yeah, you know the other thing with Toronto, like it feels like a location close enough that with a convention like that, it'd be really cool to to kind of say to to folks like if there are listeners out there that are in that area, it'd be really cool to go to one of those conventions and say like, hey, let's go to the board game room. It's all set up and you know yeah. play some board games and I. You know, there are other conventions that come through that I remember last year, you know, people I was working with, the students, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like uh, Anime North or something. There's a yeah. big one. Um, I know Valerie was into it and she I think she almost went to the Toronto one. I can't remember. But it there it's a it's a strong market for those types of shows. So it's nice that Blizzard is kind of looking at that and saying, like, let's add a, a Canadian run to this. It's almost sometimes like when the NFL comes up here, they kind of like. Let's play an ex expedition game over in Toronto and something. Yeah. So it was really cool to to kind of follow your adventures on Twitter as I was sort of navigating my weekend. And uh, <laughs> it was really cool to see. So it was two it was two days, right? You were the first round three was days. Friday, three days. three days. Oh, okay. yeah, three days. But Which is hence the cancellation of gamers in last week because I didn't realize I thought it was Saturday, Sunday, too. And then but it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, oh, so you um, had games on Sunday as well. Uh, I didn't. So it was a Swiss uh Swiss tournament. So basically what that means is that uh, in the first round, everyone gets matched pretty randomly. Sometimes um, different Swiss tournaments will have some seeding going on in the background. But as far as I know, um, the only thing that was used was um, region, I think, or like country so that they didn't pair um, like they were trying not to pair the same region against each other sort of thing to, to help with some of the diversity in the bracket. So uh, that way, like if you didn't have two Canadian players playing against each other and then one Canadian player getting eliminated kind of like by default. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in the first round, it's it's pretty much random who your opponents are going to be other than you're unlikely to face someone from your own country or your own region. And then um, which is why I played against Ardimian, who's from France. And uh, then. After that, everyone plays against their same record. So all the one and O's play against each other and all the O and ones play against each other. And then in the next round, it's all the two and O's, the one and ones, and then the O and twos. And it continues on that way until you get um, the top eight. I think they did uh, eight, eight rounds. Yeah, eight rounds of, of Swiss. So it continues on. And then whoever has the eight players with the best record move on to the top eight, which was a single elimination bracket. So the top eight is what was played on Sunday. Uh, rounds one to three were played on Friday. And then rounds uh, four through eight were played on Saturday. So mm. um, I only played on Friday because um, I lost my first two rounds. So that basically meant that I was out of the tournament. So um, you're never technically eliminated, but yeah. <laughs> 
you okay. can't uh, you can't make it to top eight after a certain point. Right. So the Swiss format, because I'm not familiar with those types of uh, any sort of bracket type thing. Like turn, I get yeah. I get the you know I get the brackets. I understand that, but Swiss is just like a foreign you know yeah. country and concept to me. So uh, it's. So that was the format that allowed them to have like a zero barrier to entry. So basically everyone could come in and then the format sort of sorts out the top eight. Is that? Yes. Okay. Kind of. Yeah, basically. There's a, quite a lot of tournaments use the Swiss format now as opposed to like a double elimination. So in a double elimination, you lose your first game, you go down into a loser's bracket, you lose your second game, then you're out of the tournament. Um, this has a little bit more flexibility and it's also a lot easier. Um, people, there's only like... At maximum, one person gets a buy because if you have an even number of players, everyone has an opponent in round one. If you have an odd number of players, then one person gets through as opposed to a bracket, which is um, much more of like a set size. So you could have, you know, eight, 10, 12 people going through from the first round just because of the number of people in your tournament, because it's like a branching tree, right? So it has to have a certain number of branches to accommodate all the players. And sometimes that results in a lot of buys. So um swiss is generally i think considered the better format of the two to kind of allow for the best players really to to rise to the top so uh, but sometimes i mean you like you can be like me and and get a really bad matchup in the first round and uh and that kind of kills your tournament hopes basically <laughs> but mm. uh because there was a, there were a few people like who were saying oh man of all the people here i got paired against you know insert pro player name here and right. uh Sometimes, like, I think it was, uh, I think Impact and Muzzy were the first game that was actually featured on stream. And it was just like, man, of all the people, you know, you've got two big name players who, who have to go up against each other in the first round. And that's always unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Not, and that, I mean, not that I think pro players should have it easier than anyone else. But yeah. I mean, like, that's a that's a tough first round. <laughs> and that's the thing. When is... you could have faced me like Odivia did and like have an <laughs> easier time of it, really. Yeah. Well. I think that there there is something to be said about like a you know a crafted tournament where you're pairing people based on skill level as opposed to random chance. It sounds like basically, right? yeah. Okay. Uh, because well, I mean, there you could take into account things like um, number of HCT points earned or legend rank or you know whatever. There there are ways to seed players, but um, generally they don't. Um, generally everyone kind of goes in on an even footing, which, which I like, to be honest, um, it kind of gives everyone a, an equal chance to, to win. So mm -hmm. obviously as someone who doesn't spend my entire life playing Hearthstone, <laughs> I'm sure the pros wish that there was a little bit more seating, but. So how do you prepare for a tournament like this? Do you, do you like play Hearthstone on your phone as you like run upstairs <laughs> and drink eggs in the morning like well no like the the problem i think with uh hearthstone right now is that mm -hmm. there is no tournament mode in the game because um yes. the ladder the ladder experience it's coming it's coming in beta later on this year but um <laughs> beta later on this year they yeah. really want to stretch out that that please give us the tournament mode people right like yeah you know hold uh, you know again hold my beer tournament beta coming into this year like yeah ooh. Come on, guys. So, so yeah, there there is no tournament mode in game, which means uh, that basically, if you practice on ladder, I was getting really frustrated because that's what I was trying to do was was practice on ladder, and uh, you can't ban 
any classes on ladder, but you can ban in the tournament. So uh, I was playing a whole bunch of decks and my plan was to ban Warlock. And then all I was facing on ladder for a while was Warlocks. And I was like, well, this isn't actually practice because I'm never going to play against a Warlock. So this is really dumb. And uh, mm. eventually I actually tweeted out that I was having such a rough time because I didn't have a practice partner. And some of the people from the Angry Chicken community actually stepped up and said, oh, well, let me help you practice. And oh, good. so I, I actually got a couple of days in of practice with um, kind of um, with with fans and, and um, with accomplished Hearthstone players. Which was really good because then I could actually say like, okay, this matchup is really tough. So I want to practice it as much as possible. And uh, having a community is a huge advantage. Like I really don't know how you would go about preparing for a tournament and getting your practice games in if you didn't have a, a community or a pro team or, you know, whatever to, to actually practice those specific matchups. I mean, outside of entering online tournaments which is another option there are lots and lots and lots of online tournaments so you could go to a service like um, smash gg which is what we used or you could go to um like battlefy or there's a whole bunch of different services now that will actually organize hearthstone tournaments because hearthstone itself doesn't organize tournaments so there's lots of tools out there and you can join lots of different online tournaments um, and that's kind of, I guess, the way that you would practice if you didn't have a practice partner. But uh, yeah, and, and that's actually, to be honest, what I wish that I had done a little bit earlier, either tweeting out that I needed a practice partner or going into and entering online tournaments because um, I wasted a lot of time trying to play things on ladder that just were not working. And then I wasn't learning anything, right? Because I was, you know, playing matchups that I was never going to get in the tournament. So mm -hmm. I think... Um, Next time, and the thing about HTC Toronto too is that um, they announced it like not that far ahead of time. Like it, I didn't have too too much of um, kind of prep time. So I think if I were to go into another tournament in the future, I would probably make it more of a priority to you know find a practice partner, enter more tournaments. I plan to kind of enter more tournaments online just on an ongoing basis um, because I think it's it's a really different environment and a, a different way of thinking about the game that I think has a lot of value to me as a podcaster. So um, I'm going to continue to enter tournaments and kind of see what's going on there, especially with me doing a lot more esports coverage now. Um, I think I need to be more involved in online tournaments. And uh, and it was really fun. I mm -hmm. it was even though I, I was losing it was the most fun I've had playing Hearthstone in a really long time because Good. of, you know, like just the idea of having multiple games against the same opponent and having a little bit more strategy around, you know, like what your tech cards are in your deck and, and what your deck choices actually are and how you're trying to line up your matchups and get more favorable matchups to try to win. So I feel like uh, it, it's definitely the most fun I've had in a really long time. Obviously, the environment helps as well, right? Everyone's there who loves Hearthstone and is really hyped about Hearthstone, so the environment helps too. But hmm. no, it sounds like you had a good good time, and I, I think I did. It was definitely worth it, even though, like I said, I went zero and two in the tournament. It was still definitely was worth it. Yeah, but but having that uh, tournament sort of public feel, I think, offers this uh, this scenario that you can't capture at home. And you know, right. as someone who who went to a lot of 
land parties and organized land parties with with friends and had a you know renting halls and having a bunch of people you know in one spot to play video games like having that audience having all your your friends around and, and, and internet folks there in person adds to the excitement level adds to the experience of playing those video games you know so i i totally get it and it's been so long since i've experienced that and and i i miss it so yeah from a convention standpoint it, it must have been i could i i'm not surprised that it was a lot of fun for sure to play yeah. play hard so even if you did go zero and two but again you're playing against pros so i don't think and, and these are people who play professionally like you love hearthstone you do a podcast about it and you and you're you're good at hearthstone but you're not you're not playing professionally right and that's no not, there's there's a difference between yeah. getting paid to play hearthstone and playing hearthstone you know 8 to 12 to 16 hours a day versus mm-hmm. what i do which is you know play literally in my spare time as much as i can but still sure. it's my spare time so uh, so yeah there's definitely a difference there i don't feel bad about my performance at all i mean my mom was joking. She's like, well, you totally came second. You lost to the winner. So that's how that works. So I was like, thanks mom. <laughs> it is technically his fault for beating you. So yeah, exactly. He, he, you deserve, <laughs> you deserve some credit, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause it sounds like if you won the tournament, uh, it sounds like a pretty, you know, swell Hearthstone player. So, Oh yes. Yeah. He was very, very good. So yeah. uh, that's enough about HCT Toronto. Uh, if you guys want some more information about a, what exactly happened in the tournament, what decks were brought, all that kind of stuff, like the actual like hardcore esports coverage, as opposed to my experience, mm-hmm. um, then make sure you check out Battle.net Sports. It's uh, we're recording on Wednesday this week. It's the uh, convert to raid esports coverage show that i do about a 10 to 15 minute segment for each week covering what's going on in the hearthstone championship tour so if you guys are interested in knowing a little bit more uh into the stats and the deck list and the players who actually did well then uh, make sure you check out battle.net sports uh we have a patron ad this week uh, from simon who says weekly news desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week you can join your two knucklehead hosts andrew and simon as they keep you informed on movies tv video games and books you can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. Uh, also, we are recording the Patreon mini uh, right after this, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Ryan is letting me be on the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the invitation's always open. And, uh, you know, it, it, Johnson podcasts a lot. And I don't I don't want to, like, add another thing. But I figured, hey, if we're going to talk here, we might as well just keep recording. And then I can, uh, I can surprise, surprise... I have a guest on and uh, yeah, we can play the whole angle. Ryan doesn't invite me. That's fine. I, I, you know, I'm all about comedic effect and I'm, I'm willing to take a hit on that one. So, uh, so if you guys would like to, uh, kind of get in on that whole Patreon mini thing, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. We also have a discord at bit.ly slash TGI discord. So you can go there and join the conversation about all kinds of cool things, including some of our side projects, the uh, TGI Presents podcast, including Ryan's Fire Emblem Heroes podcast Mm -hmm. and my Sea of Thieves podcast. So if either of those games are of interest to you, make sure you go over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Our topic of the week this week is Nintendo Direct on March 8th. Nintendo got up and told us a whole bunch of cool things and basically lit the internet on fire. With uh, the announcement that uh, Super Smash Brothers is coming to the Switch, so yeah, it's happening. It is Sur- happening. Surprising finally. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, this was an expected thing eventually, and the 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 awesome thing about the announcement, in my opinion, 
is that when Nintendo announced Smash for Wii U and 3DS, it was a financial announcement in that they were saying, like, of course it's coming. It'll be out here. Here's a quick logo we mocked up. And then the developer's like, wait, what? We're doing that now? Like, what, what's happening? So in this instance, Super Smash Brothers, as, as it's been titled, it's the working title, coming to Nintendo Switch in 2018. We don't know if it's a new game or if it's a port, but at this point, honestly, I would be content with a deluxe Mario Kart 8 sort of rendition of Smash Brothers because why throw away this amazing, in my opinion, an amazing Smash Brothers game and start from scratch when really everybody just wants the same Smash Brothers anyways, right? Like, I think we've made it to a point where you've kind of you've kind of got the game to this level of like we're comfortable with with this setup we we don't need to sort of try to one-up it anymore because there's just so much content it's really really interesting because i i find i am not a smash player Mm -hmm. so i find i i just i get so frustrated by the game because matt my fiance is a very very good smash player don't play matt what are you doing like i learned that in my first two days living with the guy (laughs) it's like great and i've told this story on the show but i'll tell it again uh you know, it's like, oh, he loves Smash Brothers. I can't wait. You know, I got all the GameCube controllers set up. And we played our first couple matches. And I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, Belanger, do you want to play? Oh, no. He's already, be, you know, been beaten into the ground by, by other Matt. So it's like, it's like, you know, I, I, I'm scarred for life. He's he's like you. He just won't touch it anymore. It's like, I hate it. He yeah. would usually play as Kirby and, and try to, like, suck people up. But no, it's just, it's, uh... Yeah, he's he's really good at the game, and you should never play Matt if you want to enjoy it. Yeah, that so, sounds really bad, but he's just really I'm, good. He's really really good. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not a big Smash player, and I don't pay attention to a lot of the stuff that's going on. Usually, any convention I've been to, like DreamHacks and everything, even just uh, EGLX that happened in Toronto this past weekend, um, they all have a Smash component. Like, there's always a Smash tournament going on. Even the platform that we use to organize the Hearthstone tournament, tournament called Smash GG, was originally created for mm-hmm. Smash Brothers tournaments. So, what I found really interesting is as I'm walking around the convention, it's like there's people playing on old uh, CTR monitors or CRT monitors, and right. like because they're playing like the super old school version. And then there's there was like a Wii U tournament, and then there was a Wii tournament, and then. Um, I feel like there was like four different Smash tournaments going on and it was just totally insane to me. So as much as you're saying, like, I think that we're just going to get a a kind of Mario Kart deluxe port version. um, It it might be that, but it might just be a totally new game and it'll spawn a whole nother set of Smash players. And, you know, like some of them stick with one and some of them move on to the next one. But I, I, I feel like the people who are hardcore into Smash have a favorite. And so mm-hmm. as much as you say that there isn't too much difference between them, like obviously there's enough difference between them because it spawned this like crazy oh. tournament scene. And, and so, you're, you're right. Like the whole reason that Nintendo released the GameCube adapter and re-released the GameCube controller for the Wii U was because people were so adamant that no, no, no. Smash Brothers Melee is the template. So at the mm-hmm. very least, you need to let us play with our GameCube controllers. They developed whole peripherals around you being able to use <laughs> a 10-year-old controller yeah. on your Wii U. And, and even I do with... love the GameCube controller. It might I be my too. favorite controller. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like it, but like 
those people are monsters, let's be honest. It's a great controller. It's cute. It came in purple, people. Purple is a delicious color. You ever tried <laughs> grapes? They're amazing. Anyways, I just think that the reason I think it's it might be a deluxe version, and, and I'm okay with that, is because it's, it you know, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U was a complete package plus plus. There was tons there. They had a lot of post-game content. If they were able to take all that and port it to the Wii U or port it to the Switch and add new fighters. This was the part of the confirmation is that you we know at least that the two Splatoon characters are in there, the Inklings, the boy and the girl. Uh, Breath of the Wild Link, we, we got that tease. And Mario. And those are the four confirmed things, aside from the fact that Smash Brothers is going to be on the Switch in 2018. Right. And that's, that's the most exciting thing is that it, you know, Nintendo's been really good at hitting their targets with the Switch. So when they say 2018, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 kind of proved to me that they're willing to put a date out there and stick to it. I was adamant that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 wasn't going to come out. And then it ended up coming out. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to get Smash Brothers this year, which is kind of crazy to think that we're getting like a tentpole game that usually doesn't come out in the first two years of a, a console's life cycle. It usually takes two or mm-hmm. three to get going, three or four even. So, well, and I mean, so I think that that just what you just said there is probably as good an argument for anything that this is going to be a port as opposed to a whole new game, because that's the other thing is Smash isn't iterated on usually that quickly. Like there's somewhere between four to seven years yeah. in between Smash titles. So the fact that there was a new Smash, what, two years ago, um, probably means yeah. we're looking at port as opposed to full-on new game i'm gonna look that up just in case I think it might but... have been three i know they they supported it you know after launch for at least two years adding a bunch of fighters and some really cool third-party fighters like cloud from final fantasy and ryu from street fighter which was just it was really good to see nintendo doing that that type I, honestly probably the best post-launch content they've ever developed uh, mm-hmm. outside so... from mario kart I'm just looking at a release timeline here. So we had Super Smash in 99 and then Melee in 2001. Then we didn't get Brawl until 2008. And then the the Smash for uh, Wii U was 2014. So got six or seven years between iterations and then all of a sudden four years between uh, Wii U and Switch. So um, probably, I, I think we're probably looking at a port. But yeah. um, I, I saw a tweet confirming from Sora who uh, is the company run by Sakurai who's the guy who's made who's run the development of all the Smash games and he's been pretty public that like oh this is my last Smash game but he actually uh tweeted from what I remember what I saw on on Reddit was that he tweeted like hey I've been working on this every day in silence since the last one finished surprise I'm Mm. still making Smash Brothers I haven't quite gotten out of the ball and chain that Nintendo's strapped around my leg at least they let (laughs) me start my own company but it's uh it's interesting to see that he's he's stuck around and if he's been working on it every day you know uh patiently ready to announce it this could be a new game it could be that yeah. that borrows from past titles similar to what Mario Kart I feel has like if he's done. been working on it for 4 years that's probably yeah and maybe a bigger deal it. You know, yeah. with with the post launch content cuz you can have your B team work on fighters and have him coming in and saying like yep that's good and we're just going to go back to the to the a team that are that are building the switch title because i think nintendo especially in the later wii u years they were cognizant of the fact that this new console 
needed to have the games because people were going to be kind of jaded by the Wii U, like, oh, yeah, another console. Nintendo's dead in the water. So mm-hmm. they've been focusing on content, and it shouldn't surprise anyone that they're coming out with the big hitters so quickly because we had we had a new Mario, a new Zelda to start the first year, and if they're getting Smash and Pokemon in the second year, like, that's... I mean, that's them firing on, on all cylinders and taking... Yeah. Like, I think they just... They, they just surpassed Xbox and they're now the number two console in the world. Uh, that's kind of crazy. That it, it, it really is. I mean, if you told me that two years ago, I would have been like, Psh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, you typical yeah. Nintendo fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they've been able to, to keep putting out content. And speaking of keeping putting out content, uh, Splatoon 2 is also getting story DLC. That was another big Mm -hmm. piece of uh, information that came out of this Nintendo Direct. So uh, for 20 bucks, you're going to be able to play a single-player expansion. Uh, So I I probably won't get it (laughs) because I still haven't finished this. I basically um, did, like, the first two worlds of the single-player stuff and then um, just went straight into multiplayer and had a great time playing in multiplayer. But... um, Single player is not what pulled me into Splatoon 2. That wasn't where I found the fun. So I probably won't pick it up, but um, I guess that's probably going to depend on w- if they kind of tack anything else onto this um, in terms of like maybe new new guns for multiplayer or something. Um, we'll have to see, though. Uh, but what about you, Ryan? I know you actually played all of the single player content for Splatoon 2, right? So you played through the whole story. Are you looking forward to more single player content or are you just not really going to go back to Splatoon 2? Yeah, with Splatoon and Splatoon 2, I found the single player, like you said, was more of a get ready for the It was like a tutorial, which is why I didn't yeah. play it. <laughs> a long, quite drawn out yeah. tutorial with with uh you know some variation in there but not enough to kind of keep me going back my my single player content has to have some some real meat to the story and not just like hey i'm gonna gibberish talk to you for a couple minutes go have fun you know yeah. that was essentially the setup but the trailer for the story dlc looks to have more story and giving more backstory to some characters that weren't present in Splatoon 2 but are in this little campaign. And and the fact that it unlocks the ability for you to be able to play as these Octolings in multiplayer is a nice touch as well and exclusive mm. to, to the DLC. So it I'll probably be getting it just to kind of check out the, the single-player content because I think, you know, 20 bucks for uh, a story edition and they're, they're talking like 80 levels and I, you know, seeing some of the story they're they're dropping down with it, it looks to be like a beefy, their take on a on a campaign, like a legitimate campaign for this game, uh, outside of like the, a tutorial. So it it's interesting, and I like when Nintendo when when Nintendo experiments because they easily could have said like, okay, uh, this is our way of funding additional free content because all the maps, the weapons, the gear, that's all free. To, yeah, to you as a yeah. player so the fact that they're going to be well know, yeah free once you buy the game so. well <laughs> yeah but like free support after a game launches is really rare these days yes. uh and usually they're they're sort of backed up by some sort of loot box system so the fact that they might be trying to supplement it with with story-based content paid dlc that isn't multiplayer focused um to a certain extent is is really neat and and kind of interesting to see nintendo trying that as opposed to going the 
Overwatch or, or Heroes route where everything's just yep. like nickeling and diming you. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. We're also getting some ports over to the Switch. I know, uh, again, a lot of people I saw were super, super excited about these things, um, particularly Undertale, which um, sure. a lot of people were super, super excited about. I haven't played too much Undertale, but I have watched a few streams of it, and it looks really cool. So um, maybe this would be the time for me to pick that up. Yeah. I don't know. I've never played Undertale, so I don't I know a lot of people are gung ho about it. So mm-hmm. it's nice that it's coming. I think the biggest news when it comes to Undertale is that now Nintendo supports the Nintendo Switch supports Game Maker, which is kind of a huge deal. It's an it's another engine. Uh, I could be wrong, but I had I had heard somewhere that this was basically um, a sign that Game Maker now supports Switch. So there's another engine that could export to the platform, which is, which is always a bonus. Uh, we're also getting some Dark Souls Amiibo that is uh, at least one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's going to launch with Dark Souls Remastered. So uh, I guess I, I maybe I missed this, but uh, Dark Souls is coming to Switch, which doesn't. I I'm glad that the Switch is open to some of these uh, more mature titles. I guess is the best way to put it, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being, you know, Zelda and Mario forever. It's nice that we're seeing things like Skyrim and Dark Souls coming to the console. I think it, it kind of opens the door for some more uh, third-party support of mature titles moving forward. Still yeah. not like mature, mature, but mature enough. Actually, I'm not sure what the rating on Dark Souls is, come to think of I it. I think it's an M. I'd be surprised if it was a T, but I could be wrong. It, I'm pretty sure it's an M. It should be an M because it's so damn hard. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but that doesn't... Uh, how hard something is doesn't dictate its rating. <laughs> I know, but I want it to. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to... I, I, how do we? How do you tell based on... Uh, I, I think... Uh, well, here, Dark Souls 3 it would be probably a similar rating. Am I right? So let's see. Yes. Uh, how do you... Oh, M. Yep. It's an M. Oh, it is M. Okay. So, yeah, that's, again, so actually literally mature rated games on the Switch. I think it's great. Yeah. And then plus a cool Amiibo. I'm not going to be getting it, but I feel like for folks that... What? I, I, come on. I don't buy every Amiibo, but, like, <laughs> I buy most. And, and it, it, you know, for folks who are a fan of Dark Souls, this looks to be, like, a Mimi uh, sort of Amiibo. It's the it's the Praise the Sun, which, I, which will mean something to... Uh, to people who play Dark Souls, I don't know what it means. All I know is that it's it's kind of this meme thing. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, was there anything else from Nintendo Direct that you wanted to point out before we move on to some listener feedback? Uh, you know what? New WarriorWare is always good. Coming to the 3DS, they are still supporting the 3DS. There was a good chunk of 3DS news, so uh, it's it's here and there. Oh, they're remaking Luigi's Mansion for the 3DS, which just popped oh, into my fun. head, and I can't wait to play that again. So <laughs> yeah. All right, then we have some listener feedback this week. Ryan, what have we got? Yeah, so I was reminded by, you know, we were talking about the Discord. So if you go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord, you're going to find a lot of cool folks, including Void Kronos, who has been a very vocal person in the Discord in all of the channels. Super awesome guy. He actually wanted me to uh, let everybody know that he's running a giveaway in the Discord. So you can go over there and check it out. He's giving away a copy of, I believe it's Avian Attorney on pc so if you're interested in that the contest is going to run for another couple days but go check that out and support our lovely discord folks because they're all really friendly people that just want to talk about video games 
Very, very true. All right. So if you'd like to visit us on the web, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed live on Thursdays, usually, at 8 p.m. <laughs> Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin. And are available after the fact on both tw- uh, or on Twitch and at bit.ly slash TGIVODs. Uh, you can email the show if you'd like to let us know what you thought about Nintendo Direct or what you're playing by emailing info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Actually, it won't be next week. It'll be Thursday. Tune in Thursday. Bye. Here we go.